You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks, the leader in cybersecurity. As AI-driven attacks increase, organizations can't afford to have network security that's stuck in the past. Discover how Palo Alto Networks can help you predict what's coming and proactively secure against it with a zero-trust, AI-powered network security platform built to secure whatever, whenever, wherever. To learn more, visit paloaltonetworks.com slash network security platform. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated and time-consuming fast. Now you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, Vanta. Vanta's leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. Learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews. Watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot cyber. Numerai Malware uses low-complexity exploits to expand its botnet in IoT devices. The latest on Volt Typhoon, DDoS hits government sites in Senegal. The Pentagon's cyber strategy incorporates lessons from Russia's war, while the EU draws lessons from Ukraine's performance against Russia. Joe Kerrigan explains Mandiant's research on URL obfuscation. Mr. Security Answer Person John Pescatori plays security whack-a-mole. And No Name Disrupts a British Airport. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Intel Briefing for Tuesday, May 30th, 2023. Palo Alto's Unit 42 discovered a new variant of Mirai targeting IoT devices, using several vulnerabilities to propagate itself and add machines to its botnet. This variant exploits four vulnerabilities. Researchers at Unit 42 explain that the infected machines then become a part of Mirai's botnet and can be used to conduct such further actions as DDoS attacks. The researchers note that this Mirai strain has been seen in several campaigns, and they assess that these were all conducted by the same threat actor. U.S. government officials are still determining the extent to which their systems were infiltrated by the recently disclosed Volt Typhoon cyber attack. CNN writes that NSA's cybersecurity director Rob Joyce said, U.S. officials are still trying to verify that Chinese hackers have been kicked out of networks they've broken into 
during the months-long campaign. He added that NSA had been investigating this incident since last year. Secretary of the Navy Carlos del Toro told CNBC that the Navy has been impacted and wasn't surprised by the announcement of the cyber attack. Specific details about the motives and ultimate goal of the attack are still undetermined, but SecureWorks researcher Mark Bernard contends that the threat actors are aiming for strategic intelligence, writing that they're ultimately trying to avoid a Chinese affiliation. He says that they're after that strategic long-term access to organizations that are working very closely with the military— and have extremely valuable data that they may potentially be able to mine for military intelligence value. An array of Senegalese government websites were targeted by DDoS attacks that took them offline on Friday, Reuters reports. The hackers behind the DDoS attacks call themselves Mysterious Team and claim to work on behalf of the Senegalese people. The group claims its origins are in Bangladesh, but as Reuters observes, The connection between Senegal and Bangladesh isn't clear. The hacktivists were seen using the hashtag FreeSenegal in tweets. Senegal is seeing heightened political tensions with protests abounding over what Reuters simply calls a host of issues. As of Saturday, the presidential website was said to be back online, while some other government sites remained in a process of recovery. The U.S. Department of Defense has sent its 2023 cyber strategy to Congress. The department says the strategy represents an evolution of the 2018 Department of Defense cyber strategy and provides direction for the implementation of the 2022 National Defense Strategy in cyberspace. The strategy itself is classified, but an unclassified fact sheet released by the department emphasizes that the cyber aspects of the hybrid war between Russia and Ukraine have helped inform the strategy. It identifies the principal threats in cyberspace as China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, violent extremist organizations, and transnational criminal organizations who are often aligned with the foreign policy objectives of the governments that support and protect them. Josep Borrell, the EU's foreign policy lead, reflected recently on the lessons Europe might learn from Ukraine's combat record, which he finds generally impressive and worthy of emulation. He brackets cyber with electronic warfare and thinks Ukraine has shown the importance of both. He says that electronic warfare capabilities, including but not limited to cyber, are increasingly relevant. Russian hacktivist auxiliaries affiliated with the no-name group claimed responsibility for a denial-of-service attack that briefly disrupted London City Airport's website Sunday morning. Simple flying reports. Flight operations were unaffected. And finally, if you were browsing Zillow, one of the more widely consulted real estate sites, you may have noticed that Meade Senior High School at Fort Meade, Maryland, was listed for sale, and that at just $42,069, it was a steal. The listing said the property boasted 12,458 square feet with 20 bedrooms, 15 baths, a spacious kitchen, and a private basketball court. Sorry, speculators and flippers, but the New York Post says it was just a prank by graduating seniors. The school's administration thought the asking price was way too low. In any case, Zillow has now removed the listing, so you're out of luck if you're thinking of putting in a bid. 
In any case, congratulations to all graduates of the class of 2023. Go Mustangs! Coming up after the break, Joe Kerrigan explains Mandiant's research on URL obfuscation. Mr. Security answer person John Pescatori plays security whack-a-mole. In the complex world of enterprise identity, securing legacy web apps at scale can be daunting. Strata Identity makes it simple. With Strata, you can effortlessly integrate non-standard apps with any identity service, like MFA or SSO, with zero coding and zero hassle. Designed by identity architects for identity architects, Strata works with every vendor, standard and app architecture. This means your apps can now speak modern protocols and integrate seamlessly with your chosen identity services. From securing on-prem web apps to migrating away from outdated identity providers or consolidating them, Strata helps you keep your complex access policies as you modernize your identity infrastructure and get rid of technical debt. Join leading organizations like 3M, Dallas County, and CIBC in securing your apps with Strata. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity security priorities, and receive a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. everybody want to take a few minutes here and talk about our sponsor splunk you know you need to keep operations humming around the clock but potential disruptions are everywhere splunk helps you predict problems and find and fix issues fast so you can reduce risk and ditch downtime the world's largest enterprises rely on splunk's unified security and observability platform to become more efficient resilient and innovative with Splunk, you can react quickly, evolve faster, and be ready for anything. Stay ahead of disruptions. Learn more at splunk.com slash resilience. Security answer person. Security answer person. Hi, I'm John Pescatori, Mr. Security Answer Person. Our question for today's episode, Hey, Mr. Security Answer Person, seems like we've been talking about transitioning cybersecurity away from whack-a-mole for decades now. Has anyone actually made any progress doing that? Well, to skew old, I think I can claim credit for actually being the first to use that analogy in 2006 or so. My actual statement said something like success would mean transitioning from whack-a-mole to more chess-like strategies versus abandoning whack-a-mole because I never felt that would happen. Here's why. Chess is a bounded problem. The board is a fixed size, the pieces can only make certain moves, and the players take turns. Cybersecurity is not bounded. None of those rules apply. The board, think software and people vulnerabilities, is infinite. 
The bad guys can move their pieces in all kinds of crazy directions, and they don't have to wait for us to take our turn before they act. By the way, this is exactly why artificial intelligence and machine learning can beat experts at chess, but not so much at cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is essentially an infinite game. Many CISOs are fans of Simon Sinek's 2019 book, Infinite Game Theory. To quote Mr. Sinek, Finite games, like football or chess, have known players, fixed rules, and a clear endpoint. The winners and losers are easily identified. Infinite games, games with no finish line, like business or politics or life itself, have players who come and go. The rules of an infinite game are changeable, and infinite games have no defined endpoint. There are no winners or losers, only ahead and behind. Well, I'll quibble a bit with Mr. Sinek's last point. There are winners and losers. If you lag behind the bad guys and they find you, you and your business will clearly be losers. So I always explain, we really can't abandon whack-a-mole, but we can use strategies to focus more on the most likely and or most damaging holes the evil little varmints will pop out of. If you want to be all fancy-schmancy about it, call that a risk-based approach, but here's what I mean. First, throw some 90% rules at the problem, such as 90% of business revenue comes from 10% of applications used. Watch those holes more carefully. 90% of successful attacks succeed by using phishing attack front ends to compromise reusable passwords. Fill in those holes with two-factor authentication. 90% of the remaining attacks would be stopped by essential security hygiene controls. Work with IT to pave over those holes. Businesses that have applied just those three rules can focus on nine or ten critical holes versus having to spread equal attention across 1,000 different places to look. You still need fast reactions, but the proactive steps mean you no longer need superhero speed or strength to reduce, if not avoid, business damage. Then you can apply the freed-up staff time towards some strategic moves and more lean-forward operation techniques like threat hunting, purple teaming, data encryption, etc. that will be the equivalent of turning pawns into additional queens on the board. So I'll stick up for the whack-a-mole chess hybrid goal. A lot of the enterprises who have not shown up in the news for breaches have been doing just that, getting more effective and more efficient in increasing the odds of successful mole whacking, freeing up skilled analysts' time for taking advanced steps to identify future new holes, and maybe even fill in some of the old ones. Plus, with advanced whack-a-mole skills, you'll be able to win gigantic stuffed animals for your kids or your significant other at the local carnival. Thanks for listening. I'm John Pescatori, Mr. Security Answer Person. Mr. Security Answer Person with John Pescatori airs the last Tuesday of each month right here on the CyberWire. Send your questions for Mr. Security Answer Person to questions at thecyberwire.com. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He is from Harbor Labs and the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute and also my co-host over on the Hacking Humans podcast. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. Uh, This is some interesting research from the folks over at Mandiant. This is a report written up by Nick Simonian, uh, and it's titled Don't At Me. 
URL obfuscation through schema abuse. Can you unpack this here, Joe? What what are they describing here? Okay, so we have to understand first how uh, URLs work and what a URL is. Okay. And it is the universal resource locator. Yep. So there was an RFC that was out in the early 90s, uh, 1738. And if you remember the early 90s, Dave, we weren't really concerned about any of this security thing. Right. (laughs) Right. So I guess the way they're designed, uh, if, if you want to talk about a URL, yeah. is you have a scheme or what's usually a protocol, then you have two slashes, and then you have a field for a user, followed by a colon, followed by a password, followed by an at sign, followed by a host of s- indication of some kind, then another colon and a port, and then a slash, and then the u- the URL path. Mm-hmm. Now, where it gets tricky is the HTTP specification says we're going to follow the URL specification, but we're not going to use username and password in HTTP. Ah, oh, okay. We're going to ignore anything before the at sign. So, but I also think there's a distinction here because I think most of us, when we think about a URL, probably the first thing that comes to mind is something, an HTTP Request, Correct. right? Uh, going that's, to a website. That's right. That, yeah. It's the same, it's the same uh, I don't want to say error, but it's the same thinking that when people think internet, they think of the web and only the web. Right. There's a lot of services on the internet and a lot of different protocols running. Okay. And, and the web is just the one that people use the most. Yeah. So they're familiar with HTTP and HTTPS. Right. Uh, and they know that some of them might even... A lot of them might even know the difference between the two of them, right? <laughs> right. Which is important. Uh, hopefully our audience does. Yeah, I would hope so. Uh, <laughs> so what's going on with this at sign so issue here? What happens is if if I have an at sign in the uh, in a in a web, an HTTP or HTTPS URL, everything before it gets ignored per the specification. Hmm. So I can say, hey Dave, here's a link to Google.com and put in HTTP colon slash slash google.com at joesmaliciouswebsite.com. Oh, I right? see. Right. And where you go is just joesmaliciouswebsite.com. Okay. And that's that's what happens. But there's more obfuscation that's going on here as well, hmm. including some things, honestly, I didn't know about until I read this article. <laughs> okay. <laughs> go on. <laughs> so we have all these different domain names. We're familiar with DNS and how that works, right? I type in Google.com to go to uh, to go to Google services, but my computer in the background goes, well, I don't know what that is. Let me go ask DNS what that is. And right. DNS comes back with an IP address. Right. And historically with IPv4, which is the one that we all are very familiar with, when you see an IP address, it comes back with like 1.2.3.4, which is the pedantic example that's used in this um, in in this article. Yeah. Which is a perfect example. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure that as I say, some number between one and two fifty five dot something dot something dot something, everybody immediately envisions an IP address in their head. If they've been working in this field long enough, that's what happens. Sure. Well, here's something you can do that I had absolutely no idea you could do this. You can represent that as just one long binary string. Huh. And web browsers will interpret it accordingly. So you can take that long binary string and turn it into a an integer, essentially a uh, a, a four-byte-long integer. In the case of um, 1.2.3.4, it can be represented as 16909060. Huh. And you can put that in 
after uh, HTTP colon slash slash. And I did that. I, I found out what Google's IP address is by pinging google.com. Yeah. I found a, a service online that will turn an IP address into an integer. And I went to HTTP colon slash slash that integer. And it gave me a, uh, a warning about the certificate not being right because the certificate is for google.com and not whatever that integer is. But I went through anyway. And sure enough, I wound up at google.com. It works just fine. Huh. I, this is new to me. I did not know this was possible. Wow. You can also uh, denote the um, denote the IP address in uh, hexadecimal or in octal, huh. um, and you can even mix octets if you want. We call these numbers octets; they're really just eight bits. But you can mix a you can define one octet as a hexadecimal number. You can define one octet as a decimal number by putting no prefix in front of it, huh. and you can define another octet as an as an octal number by putting a zero in front of it. Right, and it will work. So, really, the idea is now I'm obfuscating where you're going, and that's the entire attack. Hmm. And I'm making you think that you're going someplace not malicious by putting a non-malicious URL in front of the at sign, but mm-hmm. everything in front of the at sign is disregarded in HTTP. So it seems like they're taking advantage of, I mean, is it fair to say a relic functionality or, you know, a, a, yeah. a functionality from that, that reveals the, the very early technical slash nerdy start for all this stuff. Yeah, right? it does. It does. <laughs> and maybe it's time for the HTTP, uh, to uh, protocol to change. Uh, but if you do that, you start being non-standard. Yeah. Right? Really, what's happening here is the HTTP, uh, the protocol says, we're not going to use anything, any username or password here. Right. Uh, there are other methodologies within HTTP, HTTP to do that, so just disregard them. The real danger is, of course, just the social engineering uh, potentials here. Yeah. Right? Because if I send you... Dave, check out this thing I found on Instagram, instagram.com at some random number, random looking number slash my malicious link. Yeah. It's not going to look like a, a malicious URL to you. It's going to look very similar to the only, the only thing that's going to stand out is that at sign. And if you know to look for the at sign, okay, maybe you find it. But if you don't know to look for the at sign, Mm -hmm. there's a good chance you're going to click on it. Well, this says instagram.com. Right. And if you hover over it, it's even going to say, Hey, it goes to Instagram.com. Right. Uh, but, it, uh, well, it will look like that, but it doesn't actually. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, interesting stuff. I should I should uh, also note that um, uh, Mandian has posted some Yarrow rules that you can use to detect this sort of thing. So hats off to them for that. Indeed. Uh, again, this is uh, research from the folks over at Mandiant. Uh, Nick Simonian is the one who published this on their blog. It's titled Don't At Me, URL Obfuscation Through Schema Abuse. Joe Kerrigan, thanks for explaining it to us. It's my pleasure, Dave. That's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. 
We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show was written by Rachel Gelfin. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll be back here tomorrow. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot cyber.